You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. The leader, most likely, of that group is a guy named Demetrius, most likely. He's mentioned in the epistle. And this group and Demetrius is vouched for by the church at large and by John the Apostle himself. Let me read one more time the ending. The friends here send their greetings. They greet the friends there by name. And as those names were mentioned, again, warm feelings because of unity and because of friendship as believers. Have you ever been to a Bible-believing, Jesus-centered church in another country, even in another state? Chances are you're greeted as a brother or sister in Christ. You're loved immediately. It doesn't matter who you are. If you believe and follow the same Lord, you're connected. This is something you see throughout the New Testament of the Bible. And Pastor Danny will point it out again today in John's third epistle. The body of Christ, all genders, ages, and ethnicities are meant to be a community. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of 3 John chapter 1 with today's edition of The Living Word. Third John now, the end of Third John, it says, greet the friends there by name. He said that in an early Wednesday morning, I got up and I was thinking about it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit kind of leading me as I read through Third John again and thought about that ending. What's in a name? If I read these different names to you, but if I said, for example, uh, Saddam Hussein, and immediately you have thoughts. If I said Osama bin Laden, Hitler, Bonnie and Clyde, O.J. Simpson, Nelson Mandela, Billy Graham, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, Marilyn Monroe, Marilyn Manson, Tim Tebow. Muhammad Ali. Now, I could just go on with different names of of people that that most of us know something about. And when I say those names, we have some feeling, some thought. Why do we think the things we do about people when we hear their name? It's because of their reputation, perhaps. It's because of their life that we know about, perhaps. It's because of their character, Many of the names of people to whom John writes, this little epistle of 3 John created fond feelings in John's soul. No less than six times in this little epistle, he employs the word friend. Four out of the six times, he says, dear friend. Verse 1, the elder, that would be John. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth, dear friend. 
I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. That probably implies that Gaius is not doing completely good physically. And John's praying, I pray you do as well physically as you're doing spiritually. Gave me great joy to have some of the brothers come and tell about your faithfulness to the truth and how you continue to walk in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you're faithful in what you're doing for the brothers, even though they're strangers to you. They've told the church about your love. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans, unbelievers. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such men so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will have nothing to do with us. So if I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, gossiping maliciously about us. Not satisfied with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone and even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. He said the same thing in the letter of Second John. Then he ends this way, peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Dear friend, the, the word dear, translated dear here, is translated differently in one of the Gospels that mentions the Father speaking audibly from heaven about his son Jesus. And it says he spoke audibly and said, this is my beloved, there's the word, dear. This is my dear son in whom I am well pleased. The dear friend's name is Gaius. People I read, scholars, commentators, suggest that in this day, Gaius was a very common name. So we don't really know which Gaius this is. Uh, I'll just throw some scriptures out real quickly. Acts chapter 19, 29. Uh, soon the whole city, Ephesus, was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and Aristarchus, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Acts chapter 20, verses 4 and following says that that same Gaius, when they left Ephesus after the riot started in the city, uh, and they travel on in their ministry uh, duty and missions ministry, that Gaius traveled with Paul after that. Don't know if he's the same Gaius. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 23, Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, sends you his greetings. And then there's a Gaius mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 14. Uh, Paul says, I'm thankful I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. Now, it really doesn't matter which Gaius it is. It's a Gaius that has a very close relationship with the Apostle John. And the Apostle John had a pastoral authority in Gaius' life. That's clear from the epistle. Gaius had shown hospitality to some brothers that he did not know personally. They were strangers to him. They were on some kind of missionary journey, 
some kind of missionary trip, a ministry trip. They were well spoken of. The leader, most likely, of that group is a guy named Demetrius, most likely. He's mentioned in the epistle. And this group and Demetrius is vouched for by the church at large and by John the Apostle himself. Let me read one more time the ending. The friends here send their greetings. They greet the friends there by name. And as those names were mentioned, again, warm feelings because of unity and because of friendship as believers. And listen, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Psalm 133, you might want to turn to it. It's a short psalm, but boy, one of the best I know of. Psalm 133, and here's what it says. Verse 1, how good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robe, speaking of anointing. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. That's refreshing. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. There's another proverb that says, it's better to have a dry morsel and peace than a house full of feasting and strife. Hey, best thing you can have in a family is peace and unity and love. But you could be rich beyond measure. You could live in a mansion. You could drive the nicest cars. But if you've got no peace, no unity in the family, you'd rather just have the dry morsel. You'd trade in all that just to have the unity and the love. Best thing that can happen in a family, best thing that can happen in a community, best thing that can happen in a city, in a country, is to live in unity and peace and love. But therein lies the challenge. And it's a great challenge. Why is it such a challenge? Because there's so many things that potentially divide us. So many things potentially to divide a husband and a wife, a son and a daughter. Unfortunately, in this letter, there's mention of one name that did not evoke warm feelings in John the apostle. His name is Diotrephes. It's the only time his name's mentioned in the Bible. So all we know about Diotrephes, we get from 3 John. And just a, three verses in 3 John, 9, 10, and 11. But we can learn a lot about him from those verses. And God recorded Diotrephes for us here so that we will learn, listen, we will learn to not follow his example. Not follow his example. And the first thing we know about him from the text, he was exclusive. What do I mean by that? He refuses to welcome the brothers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. So he's probably a pastor, uh, at least the chief elder in whatever congregation he's over, and he's got tremendous authority there, the kind of authority that can put people out of the church. He's exclusive. We're not told what the issues were that caused him to kind of live on his island. But there are a lot of issues in Scripture. And any one of these or a combination of these could have been the situation and the reason for Diotrephes and his exclusiveness. 
I'm just going to throw out some verses. Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Two of the greatest missionary uh, missionaries and their team together. They team together. I mean, um, Barnabas and Saul. That's how it started out. Barnabas and Saul. And uh, then if you read in the book of Acts, it changed to Saul and Barnabas. And then, of course, Saul changed his name to Paul. And it became Paul and Barnabas. And Paul became the leader of that missionary team. And that's important in light of what I'm going to read here. Acts chapter 15, uh, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia on the previous missionary journey and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, I'm going to give you my opinion, but it's very strongly backed up by the Scripture. Not only this one, but the Scriptures that follow this one. Paul was the leader of that missionary ministry team. God made him the leader. And the disagreement they have here, they couldn't turn to a scripture and a verse and say, no, here's the right decision. Are you with me? And the leader that God had appointed, Paul, did not think it wise. We know later in one of Paul's letters, he ended the letter and he said, send Mark, John Mark, because he's helpful more for me in my ministry. So he gave an opportunity later for Mark to get back in the game and get back on the team. But now, Paul says, it's not time. He needs to learn some things. He needs to mature. But Barnabas disagreed. Of course, John Mark is Barnabas's cousin, so you got some family pull there. But the Holy Spirit says that Paul chose Silas and left commended by the brothers, the church at large. And then from this point on, the Holy Spirit does not record for us any of the future ministry of Barnabas. No, we have the ministry of Paul. He was the designated leader. He made the right decision, even though it was a decision that you couldn't turn to a scripture and say, this is the right decision. And they both disagreed. They saw it differently. And they divided and no longer ministered together on the same team. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul opens that letter to the Corinthian church this way. Verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brother, son from close household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. And what I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas or Peter. And still another, I follow Christ. That was the spiritual group, at least they thought so. They divided over different personalities. And, you know, maybe one liked Peter's preaching better or teaching better. Uh, maybe he was more directly involved under Peter's ministry and somebody else under Apollos' ministry. And so they divided based on leaders. You get to uh, Romans 14, uh, and that chapter is about disputable matters. I mentioned some of them last week from the text in Romans 14. And, you know, some Christians divide over disputable matters. 
I'm not going to get into those, but some people divide over that. It's wrong to divide over disputable matters. Some people do, and some churches do, and some pastors do, and they lead their congregation to be exclusive. And then I'll mention one more, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Uh, Paul writes to that church, and that church was very close to the Apostle Paul. They were, that was an endearing church, the Apostle Paul. And yet he writes, and, and there in chapter 4, he says, I plead with you, Odia and Syntyche, these two ladies in the church, to agree with one another in the Lord. In the Lord. To agree in the Lord means you don't necessarily agree on a decision, but you go, well, I don't see it that way, but... I'm going to submit anyway. Euodia and Syntyche, Paul says, um, they had contended in the ministry at his side. So in some way, when Paul was there, or maybe on a short-term trip with the Apostle Paul, they were part of the same team. And now they're not part of the same team. And we don't know what the spat was over. We don't know what the division was over. But it was over something serious enough that they were no longer fellowshipping together. Uh, John, the apostle, said to Jesus one time, Master, we saw a man driving out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he is not one of us. John had to learn. Jesus said, do not stop him, for whoever is not against you is for you. But now here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. The challenge is what do we divide over? Going back to what I read from Acts 15, recognized, ordained leadership. Unless it's something that's just clearly unscriptural, we have to trust their decisions. Are you with me? I think Barnabas, the right thing to do is trust Paul's decision, even though he disagreed with it, stay on the team and keep in submission. He didn't do that. I think that was a bad decision. That's my opinion, but it's backed up, I think, by the text and the text that follows. Whatever it was that made Diotrephes exclusive, he shouldn't have been exclusive. That's in the text in 3 John. Whatever it was he chose to divide over, it wasn't biblical. It wasn't right. Not only was he exclusive, he was independent. John is an elder and an apostle, and yet Diotrephes spurns John's authority. King Saul would not listen to Samuel the prophet. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were three leaders under Moses, and they led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. And they would not listen to Moses when he tried to encourage them, rebuke them. They wouldn't listen. Uzziah was one of the kings of the Old Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 26 says that he... Um, went in the temple to offer incense, something reserved only for the priests. Eighty courageous priests confronted him, but he would not listen to them. I could talk a lot about this one, but let me just say before we move on, people who are independent are insubmissive. Okay? People who are in independent, they're insubmissive. They're not going to submit to the God-ordained and recognized authority. I'm not going to do it. And then a third thing we learn about Diotrephes, he loved to be first. Now, the root of this is pride. It's pride. You might want to take a look with me. Genesis chapter 25, I, I chuckle even thinking about turning to it, even though it's, it's serious, it's also uh, a bit humorous. I can't help but 
think it's a bit humorous. Uh, it's about Jacob and Esau, the twin brothers, and they're in their mother's womb, and now, now it's time for them to be born. And here's what the record says, verse 24 of Genesis chapter 25, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. It means red. Good name. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. Why is he grasping his brother's heel? Because he wants to come out first. He wants to be first. Now, he doesn't know it as a little baby, but it's something spiritual at the root here because the firstborn got greater inheritance, greater status in the family, in the community. And so they named him Jacob, Jacob, heel grabber. That's what it means. So red and heel grabber. And they named Jacob, uh, they named him Jacob because he wants to be first. And you read the story of Jacob's life, and it was a hard lesson for him to learn. You see, a prophecy had been made about he and Esau that the older would serve the younger. And all Jacob needed to do was trust the Lord. But you find he manipulated situations. You find he stepped out on his own, outside of God-ordained authority. And he had to learn a lesson, the tough lesson. Thank God he finally learned it. There are a lot of things connected with loving to be first, pride and things related to pride. Let me just throw this scripture out real quick. Matthew 27, verse 18. It says that Pilate, Pilate knew that it was out of envy that the Jewish authorities handed Jesus over to him. He knew it was out of envy. Acts 17, verse 5, Paul is in Thessalonica. They're sharing the word. People are getting saved. But verse 5 said, the Jews were jealous. And they rounded up a bunch of bad characters and started an uproar in the city because they were jealous. Envy and jealousy connected with pride and envy and jealousy are sisters. In 1 Samuel 18, right after David went out and slew the giant Goliath, the Philistine, here's what it says about King Saul, because they come back into the city and David becomes an overnight hero. And they're singing this song. People would know the song. Saul is in the song. Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands. And that refrain that was added to that song galled Saul. And here's what the Bible says. From then on, he kept a jealous eye on David. Why? Because David is now a greater warrior in the eyes of the people than Saul. And Saul wanted to be first. Let me read you from Numbers chapter 16. The rebellion with the leaders under Moses, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and then 200 plus board members, basically. Numbers chapter 16, verse 3 says, they came as a group to oppose Moses and Aaron and said to them, you've gone too far. The whole community is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is with them. Why then do you set yourselves above the Lord's assembly? You know what he's saying there? You know what they're saying? We ought to have just as much authority as you. 
we're just as holy as you. We're so thankful you tuned in for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. As we continue learning from the book of 3 John together, we pray that this study challenges you to live a life more like Christ. John walked with Jesus for three years, and he had the opportunity to see firsthand what it means to live like Jesus. Aren't you glad we have his writings to help us grow in our faith? Truth and love. This is what a life like Christ is all about. If you'd like to hear more teachings like this from Pastor Denny or hear today's message again, head on over to our website, ccfstpete.church. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to be notified when we post anything new. If you live in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you. At Calvary Chapel Fellowship, the church behind this ministry, we meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and again on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. You can find directions and more by going to our website. Again, that site is ccfstpete.church. If you're not able to join us in person, we also offer a live stream of our weekend services. Just visit our website and click on the link in the menu. Pastor Danny has more to share from this series, so we hope you'll tune in again next time. We're glad to know that you're a part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you. We hope you'll continue to tune in as we learn more from the book of 3 John right here on The Living Word.